smell what the rock is cooking. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, it's been a little while, but we're back at Rock Starring. Um, Hi. <laughs> yes, uh, it is in movies starring The Rock. First, we should touch on the fact of why we stopped for a while. Long story short, a lot of personal issues came up uh, involving Landslide. family. Landslide. <laughs> yeah, family, friends, uh, work. Just too many things came together. Everything. So that's one of the reasons why it's been so long since we've done one of these. Again, we don't think we have any regular listeners, and we may never. For all I know, there's a billion podcasts out there now, so who knows if anyone's ever going to listen to this. Probably better quality, too. Yes, but <laughs> on the off chance anybody is listening to these and suddenly Sorry. Want, is looking at the, the dates and like, why did they stop for a month? That's why. Uh, it also is kind of bad timing because right... I'm sure nobody remembers this because so much is happening all the time now the closer we get to the election. It's only like a week away at this point. Um... But right after we posted our last video or our last podcast of Rockstarring is when Dwayne Johnson officially came out in support of Joe Biden. And I was worried people might think that was why we stopped and it has nothing to do with that. We're not angry at Dwayne Johnson for announcing who the candidate he supports. It literally just is coincidence. It was coincidence that news about Dwayne Johnson came out right after we posted our last video, our last podcast. And as a result, you know, people might think, oh, well, they must really not like the fact that he did. No, no. I have no problem with Dwayne Johnson having political opinions or even voicing them. I'm personally, I'm glad he's trying. He was not trying to be you know, mean or awful about it, like certain celebrities are when they announce who they support. Um, but we're going to move we're on both, from that. Yeah, yeah. we're going to move on. Uh, and uh, also, the other reason is we haven't really been pushing is that the movie in question we're doing today is Why Did I Get Married to? Literally the T O O. I just want to clarify that. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Literally the first movie we watched where I'm like, oh, it's a five online? Yeah, it's a five. Yeah, it's a five. I, I, I <laughs> In almost every other movie where we had real, fairly low expectations up to this point, Planet 51, Get Smart, Long Shot, they all ended up blowing us away either because they were genuinely better than I was expecting, like Get Smart, or Planet 51, or because they were just so bad they were brilliant, like, like Long, Long Shot. Shot. We were so scared to watch Long Shot. Yeah, I, I'm so glad we did, though. Oh, my God. I'm debating yeah. if we should bring it with us when we go visit our friends next month. It would, we should. We should. Because I, totally I think most of our friends would get the... the if they all live through the boy band era, they would get it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, this movie is the first time where they where Eric read off what it was on IMDb, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of actually agree with that. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah. What, it was like a 4.7 or something? It's it's pretty low. Uh, I I'm, mean, the acting is better than the movie, which sounds weird, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, well, we should, we should clarify three things first. One, we were not expecting this to be a drama. Uh, both of us were pretty certain that this was going to be a, a romantic comedy, but both based on the name, the, the punny use of the word, too. And, and the way the I cover is filmed and everything. Yeah, the way the cover cover looks, everybody's smiling, and mm -hmm. it's two wedding rings, and the men and women are pushing against each other in these giant wedding rings. Like, even the photos in it, like... They're all smiling and happy. And this is this is a straight-up drama yeah. with a few comedy moments. Yeah, um, there's only one couple where it's like... 4.7 on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the record, because you asked. Uh, but yeah, and the other thing is, uh, so we were expecting a romance comedy, plus we, uh, the, the Tyler Perry made this, and most of the movies we're familiar with of him are like the Medea movies, which are comedies, from what I understand. Yeah. At least based on the titles. I've seen a couple of them, 
way back when I was like a teenager, when they first started coming out. Literally, I watched a couple. They didn't really click with me. Yeah, all the thing I've seen from him was actually the Medea Goes to Jail, but it was the pl- stage play version, which I actually thought was pretty funny. Well, we're, but we're, the movie is not. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end up talking about the stage play element in a bit when it yeah. comes to the filmmaking of this. But yes, um, from what I understand, Tyler Perry does plays as well as movies. And he directs both. Mm-hmm. And you, you can tell in the movie, which we will touch on. But also we should clarify that we are clearly not the, the audience, audience for this. this. Uh, first of all, they're discussing the black experience in America much more than either of us have experienced. We're both white people that grew up in the suburbs uh, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've lived in a couple of you know badder places, but even then I was still white uh, so I've lived a couple trailer parks. <laughs> yeah, we, we've lived. In, we've we've never had the black experience in America. Number no. one, and number two, neither of us have ever been married. No. Um, in fact, neither of us have ever had that long of a relationship so far in our lives. We're still no. figuring it out. So, the fact of the matter is, the idea of marriage isn't something we glam onto that much. No, uh, and, and the only, I mean, I remember my parents being married, of Oh, yeah, course. Uh, but I mean, like, first-hand but experience. It's, I, but it's it's not something I've done yet, you know? I, I imagine that we would have more empathy, sympathy, and understanding if we had been in a long marriage. Because it yeah. seems like everybody in this movie had been married for at least five or ten years, except for the new couple. Yeah, except for the new newlyweds. Who yeah, the that were from a divorced couple. Well, she had been. She was from divorced. a divorced couple. So. Okay, so that's that's the argument I'm going to make is that we're not the target audience either in subject matter or in the lens of society through which it's being discussed. Uh, but having said that, I still didn't think it was that great, and I, I understand that it's a sequel. And Tyler Perry has made it a point of it said on IMDb this is the only time. He has ever written a movie sequel to a stage play that he didn't have a sequel to. Meaning that when he wrote the stage play, Why Did I Get Married, and then converted it into a movie, he made a sequel to the movie, not the play, at least as of the filming of this. Yeah. So and you can kind of tell that these are kind of un, uh, unclear ideas, but more scenes he wanted to show. Yeah, like he then, wanted to continue the story, but he didn't know... He didn't have a clear vision, in my opinion, because there's yeah. four separate stories, and all of them have... Two things in common, tragedy and fighting yeah. with each other. And it's it's different variations of fighting and different variations of tragedy. And they all do relate to being... Tragedy. Yeah, and they all do relate <laughs> to being married to a certain extent. Hey, with our current president, I can say whatever I want when it comes to screwing up words and not have anybody say anything about it. So oh, no, just watch no, it. I was doing that <laughs> with myself. It, was, oh, okay. it wasn't making fun of you. <laughs> I didn't know if I'd screw that up. I didn't no, know if I said tragedy. It's a joke online, tragedy, because tra- well, tragedy is a really hard word to spell. Well, anyway, tragedy. Uh, but aside from that, there's not really a unifying argument or perspective. And the last shot, the one our boy is actually in, which we will get to, is almost antithetical to the whole damn movie up to yeah, that point. Yeah, it really feels like it feels like it was. I, I it feels like it was the romance comedy it was trying to be for those thirty seconds. You know what it <laughs> feels like? It feels like I don't know if you remember when I showed you the last laugh, the silent film. Uh, vaguely. Okay. It's been a while. Okay, the last laugh is one. Of, is a really good German sim, silent film, and 
the end of the movie, apparently the people who made the movie were so sad for the character that they tacked on a really cheesy happy ending for mm-hmm. him, and it feels so disconnected from the rest of the film, and mm-hmm. that's what that, that what, that, what this feels like. Mm-hmm. And considering like that. that, again, we will get there, but considering the <laughs> p- character of Daniel Franklin, which is what our, our boy Dwayne Johnson's playing, is actually uncredited, even though he is... Clearly like visible. Like the last shot of the movie. <laughs> he's clearly visible. And yeah, and he has lines, so he's uncredited. Makes me wonder if it wasn't a last-minute edition. I wonder if you've got, like, a Reno 911 scenario, because we speculated when we watched Reno 911 that the character he plays in that, of this uber-capable SWAT guy, who's the only other dude outside of the the the, the danger zone of the, the police conference, yeah. is just, he's up there for literally one joke. He shows up, he's incredibly handsome, incredibly together, he's going to whip the Reno 911 guys into blows position, up. and then he blows himself up stupidly, and then it's never spoken of again. And it's, it, and literally before he showed up, and the position of the situation before he showed up and after he died are exactly the same. The yeah. Reno crew are the only ones in town that can that can handle crime while this is being sorted out. Yeah. That is literally the, the scenario. <laughs> and it's that scenario after he dies, and it's that scenario before he showed up. Yeah. So he's only there to get killed, and it doesn't really add much to the story. And I think he's uncredited in that movie, too. Yeah. Even is. though he also had lines and also had scenes. So I'm wondering if it was one of those situations where... It, that's the same as this, where it was the last minute decision because they felt the ending of the movie, which really felt like the end of the movie, the funeral scene, which yeah. we'll get to, was the actual end of the film. And like you said, with that silent film, they're like, that's too dark. That's gotta, too sad and dark. Let's tack on. It's too real, dude. It's too real. But yeah, it feels very, very tacked on. Very disconnected. Uh, yeah. I also should mention if our audio is different or there's weird background sounds, we're recording this in a different room than we normally do our podcast in. Just to test it out. Just to test it out. Uh, it's a room we're only going to have access to for a very short period, so we kind of wanted to see what it would sound like. Plus, again, this movie isn't particularly... I, I'm not going to waste a lot of time and energy on this particular no, film. Again, I don't want to discredit short. Mr... Mr. Tyler Perry. There the is obvious, talent here. Yeah, the acting and most of the scenes that were written are really good. It's just that from a directing perspective, it doesn't feel like there was much of a flow. No. To me, anyway. It just is like one... It was just a scene after scene of, oh, they're talking. Here's the thing that happened. Here's the thing that happened. Which it, would work in a play. Yeah. This would work as a oh, play. Oh, they're talking. Oh, there's a thing that happened. Oh, they're talking. Here's a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Megan commented on just how many scenes there are just people talking. Uh, it's also worth commenting on that the original Why Did I Get Married only has a 5.9 on IMDb, so it's it's only rated like 1.2 higher. Yeah, so... So still not that considered that amazing, at least among the IMDb reviewers. Again, I, I've never watched any that many Tyler Perry movies. I've never seen the first one of these, yeah. which is probably another thing it has going against it, is that we haven't seen the first one, so a lot of the references we didn't get. In fact, I was 100% certain when the movie started that the reason the new guy was married to that one woman that we really loved... Yeah. Uh, was because they couldn't get her original husband back. Because there's a recap scene in the beginning where Tyler Perry is talking to his family mm-hmm. about about how telling the kids they're going to be going off to their yearly marriage retreat uh, with their other friends. And his daughter's listing all of the character names because we all have to know who's supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. And then she lists, uh, what was the name? Do you remember the name of the guy that shows up? Uncle something. Uh... Troy is the new guy that got married to. Um, um, I think it was Uncle Mike. That Mike, yes, I think it was Mike. Uh, but anyway, Troy, uh, Troy is the new guy, and you know the Tyler Perry corrects his kids. 
no, 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 she's not with my Uncle Mike anymore. She's with Uncle Troy, to the, the woman that got remarried. Yeah. And I was 100% certain that it was because they couldn't get the original actor back, so they just had them get married off camera between movies. And then that guy shows up and is there through the rest of the movie, Mike. So, so, so I was like, completely oh. wrong. So we clearly missed an p- entire plot point that was from the first movie. Yeah. Uh, um, and it, it's weird to say this, but it's not because I hate movies that it's just talking. Mm-hmm. Because if if well, I, if you've been listening to our our uh, Star Trek reviews that Megan picks, most of her favorite episodes are two person plays. Two person plays. Well, they just sit around talking, so it's obviously not that. No, <laughs> it's not people sitting around talking that threw me out of this movie because like. I wouldn't be a fan of the show Hannibal if if that was true, yeah. or a lot of the shows that I love, or my favorite episodes of Star Trek, you know? Yeah. If I didn't like talking, I wouldn't watch a lot of the shit that I watch. So, um, it's not that, it's the way it was filmed and directed. There wasn't, we will comment on this, we might as well talk about it now, because I yeah. wrote it at the start of my notes, which was, as we mentioned, he, this is his first, and as far as I know, only time. That Tyler Perry has written a play, which was the first Why Did I Get Married, converted into a movie, and then made a sequel to that movie, but not a sequel to the play. Yeah. And I don't know how much better the directing is in the first movie, but I'm willing to bet that because it was a play first and you could kind of visualize what the camera would be doing, it flowed a little bit better. In this one, it's almost universally... Static. Static shots. It's face-on shot, face-on shot. They didn't even do... Static shot, cut, cut, static shot. We were commenting that in in television shows in the 90s, a lot of people who review those shows, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, commented that almost all of them have a certain flow to the conversations, which is forward shot, forward shot, over-the-shoulder shot, over-the-shoulder shot, two-person shot, as the conversation goes through. They don't even really do that. No, no, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. In this, it's just straight-on shot, straight-on shot, two-for shot. Where For anyone wondering what I'm talking about, straight-on shot is talking right into the camera. Over the shoulder is you see the person they're talking to, and the camera's behind that person's back, so you can see the back of the person they're talking to. Yeah. And then a two-shot is the shot is over here, and it's like you're looking at the two of them. And doing it from all those perspectives gives the camera a chance to flow with the conversation. It allows us to stay more engaged engaged with the scene. It also does a great job of showing who's in dominance in the conversation. For example, if you have a straight-on shot of someone uh, talking, and then an over-the-shoulder shot where you see the other person talking, and the camera's tilted up slightly because that person's talking, and the other person that was talking, the straight-on shot, is shorter. Yeah. It gives the impression that that person that's talking, the over-the-shoulder shot, gives the impression of dominance over that person that is talking. Yeah. Or if you're going to do exclusive on-face shots for one person, then over-shoulder shots for the other person, it gives the impression that... The first person, the straight on, free, the person you're talking directly into the camera, is the focus of the room. Yeah. That's what we're all supposed to be paying attention to is that individual. The other person only exists in relation to that person because you only see them from, you only see their perspective over the shoulder. Mm. That's the concept that you could be, you could tell with this. But in almost all shots in this, they cut out the over the shoulder stuff. It's yeah. straight on, straight on, two for shot. Two, two, for, two for wide shot is usually what it's referred to. Yeah. It's a wide shot. But I call it two for because it's usually two people talking on either side of the screen. But in this case, it's like four people. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a very odd film from a, from a film-telling perspective. But there were shots where they did do good with it. Um, we'll talk about it when we get there. But the Janet Jackson fucking up the room scene, 
the camera did follow and flow a bit, just follow her actions. Like it, that was like literally the best part of this film. Yeah, actually. it was the best, most impressed. Well, that there's a couple of scenes that yeah. do really good, but most of the uh, Janet Jackson genuinely impressed me in this movie. Yeah, she really reached. I, I haven't seen many movies she's been in. Yeah, most most of my visual work with her is her like music, music videos. videos from the '90s, <laughs> uh, which there is a music video on here which we will talk about. But um, yeah, we will. But the the mu- the most of her music videos, she's just doing dance routines and smiling a lot. So I never got the impression she had that much in the way of acting range. Well, not really acting range, but could get emotionally dark, yeah. which is what she does in this movie a lot. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why the last scene where Dwayne Johnson shows up kind of ruins that. It bit. feels like a very tacked on ending. <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to clarify again: Tyler Perry would not be a successful man, especially a successful director, especially uh, given how overly white. Uh, Hollywood is. is if he wasn't a naturally talented individual. And even though I've never really loved the Medea movies or anything else he's made, I'm not trying to knock the man. I'm just saying from a film viewing perspective, the camera didn't move all that much in this movie yeah, and it really made it, it hard to get engaged with it. Yeah, it felt like I was just kind of spectating. Yeah, it was, it was actually, which you could have done to great effect in a movie that's about... Like, if it was, I don't think it was intentional, but you could have had this whole movie have an uncomfortable air of that friend that comes over to be with two people who are married, and they suddenly have a really bad argument in the middle of it, and you just feel awkward, too awkward to leave, because it feels like you're saying their problems don't matter, but you also know you can't really add anything to the conversation. Because, uh, oh my god, your friends are fighting? Yeah, your friends, your married couple friends are fighting each other, what do you do in that scenario? And all you can really do, the most polite thing you can do is just sit there and pretend it's not happening, even though it makes you feel awkward as hell. And considering all four of these marriages are having really big issues, they could have done that intentionally with the camera to give us an uncomfortable feeling every time something like that happens. And it did happen, but I don't think that was the intent. I don't think it was meant to give us a voyeuristic view of these kind of conversations. It was meant to make us feel for those characters. But because the camera work wasn't really there, I just felt like I was a spectator. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, it, it was I, I, It was really hard to engage with this film. That's mm-hmm. what the problem was. It was. But I still don't want to knock Tyler Perry too much. Yeah. I understand he's a good guy. He's a, par- a successful director. He's got a lot of friends. Yeah, <laughs> apparently the entire cast, including Mike, even though I thought he didn't, came back for this movie. So they must have all enjoyed working with him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure all these are the same actors that were in the first film. I'm pretty sure, too, yeah. So, uh, um... I want to comment briefly on the the trailers in this uh, for Precious and I Can Do Bad Things. Uh, We both thought they were pretty neat looking. Uh, Precious is the one about the girl who's really heavy and she's in high school and she's not over, she doesn't consider herself very intelligent and she's got like, she's on her second kid. Yeah, I actually know about the movie already, so. Oh, I didn't know if you'd seen it. uh, I've seen part of it. It's. Is it okay? Is it good? It looked good to me. A lot of people liked it. I think he got a couple of awards. Okay. So it was. It's really sad. I, well, it didn't look. It didn't look like an uplifting. Uh, it was really sad. And same goes for I can do bad things. I, that one looked kind of okay. I, I I comment on this because I. I kind of heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. I occasionally bring up the trailers when I think when something surprises the heck out of me. Like I never knew there was a Marmaduke movie, so I had to comment on that. I'm sure it's great, Eric. Uh, so am I. But these looks. <laughs> the, both the trailers in this movie looked like movies that if I was in the mood to experience dark drama, I should w- track them down. Because yeah. they look good. That was why I was bringing it up. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so we had a conversation about the, the, the Tyler Perry talking to his, his kids, which is where the movie opens, and Megan immediately said, little girls don't talk like that. <laughs> yeah. she, was, she was laying out, like, definitions. She was laying out the plot. <laughs> yeah, well, not only that, she was laying out, like, definitions for movies and correcting her little brother, and she's supposed to be, like, what, seven? Like, <laughs> I did that stuff when I was, like, maybe ten mm-hmm. or eleven. Not seven. Well, even then, like, her definitions are, like, straight out of a dictionary. Like, like she, she reads read the thesaurus. She reads the dictionary and thesaurus in her, in her spare time. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's so uncomfortable to see a child actress Even gifted like kids don't, as someone who lived in the gifted program his entire high school or elementary school, middle school career. You don't talk like Little that. kids don't talk like that. Even the smart ones or super smart ones don't talk like that. No. I knew a kid named Hassan, which if you ever listens to this, shout out Hassan if you remember me, who was so intelligent that he had to go to, even though we were in middle school, he had to go to a high, a college class once a week yeah. to learn math. Because yeah. even though we were the gifted program, we were too stupid for him as far as math was concerned. That's yeah. how super intelligent he was. Yeah. And he wouldn't have talked like no. that. No. <laughs> a divorce is when people don't love each other anymore. And no. <laughs> like, Jesus I was getting Christ. Mass Effect 3 flashbacks oh of a stupid God, little kid the, the in the vent. kid. Why no, specifically the kid in the vent. The star the kid, kid is a different character. Yeah, but the kid in the vent did not talk like a child. It's like, why did you kill all of us? I'm like, no little kid thinks that. No, no, no. He, he says, uh, Shepard's like, come on, let me help get you out of here. And this is after seeing him playing with like, uh, like a... Uh, um, figuring, uh, I think it was a shuttle, but it was, it was still, it was... I think it was actually the... Um, I don't think it was the Normandy. I think it was because I replayed Mass Effect Three not too long ago, and I remember looking at it. They looked like the shuttle, a model of the shuttle that the Normandy had, but it's not the Normandy still, itself. But it still was part of the Normandy. Well, yeah, but I think the shuttle is standard for uh, Earth Yeah, but it said N seven on it and stuff. Whatever. I, I, my point is that he obviously played with toys of military people, and Shepard is the most famous sh- military officer in all of Earth Gov. Uh, yeah. You would think the kid would go, "Please save me," but instead he goes, "You can't save me. No one can." And I'm, I'm like, like, "When did children?" that age start practicing nepotism. Yeah, they're not nihilistic. They're, they're not that ni- Okay, if he was an emo kid who was like 15, I could buy that line. If he was like 15, 16, But he looks like whack. he's eight. Yeah, it looks like he's eight. No eight-year-old is that, is that neat. When giant... This mo- isn't a horror film. Yeah, when, giant, when giant monsters land on Earth and start blowing shit up, that kid would have ran to the first adult he saw and begged them to protect him. Air Shepard is offering to protect him, and the kid's like, no, you can't do anything, and he just disappears. Mass Effect 3 has so many issues. I hope the remaster fixes some of them. Please fix some it. of them. I um, But anyway, I, I, I bring it about just because I love bashing Mass Effect 3's bad stuff. It still has a lot of good stuff for any fans out there. Dunk it. It's still, the good, there's still good stuff in Mass Effect 3. Even replaying it, knowing the end, I still enjoyed the good stuff. But the bad stuff is so bad. It is so bad in that game. But anyway, um, I just wanted to bring it up because that's what I was getting. Then we have the comedy falling credits, which is still when I was 100% convinced it was going to be a comedy movie. And yeah. it's not a comedy film at all. The, the falling credits thing feels like clip art. It felt, yeah, it felt like comedy from the... It felt like a, a comedy thing they would do in the 80s. Or, or early 90s. Early 90s at the latest. <laughs> It was uh, not. It was not created. <laughs> okay, then we get uh, Marcus and his his horrible wife. Horrible. Yeah, what wife. a horrible couple. I well, Marcus turned out to be an okay guy. Yeah, an okay guy, but he, there were still moments where I was like, well. I mean, he... it's possible in the first movie. We might be misjudging because in the first movie, Marcus might have cheated. 
Yeah. And that would justify, or at least in the fans' face, it would justify her being so paranoid in his face the whole of the sequel. The thing is, but since we only saw the sequel, Marcus comes across as a genuinely good person who has just a horrible wife. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, yeah. I, I, the thing is, we haven't seen the first movie, so we don't know for fact. Angela is the name of the character um, that that plays Marcus's wife. And wow, is she just like every scene she was in. I'm like, to... this is the most toxic relationship yeah, ever. Without meaning to, they made her absolutely one of the worst people in this movie. Yeah. And I feel bad because I'm like, oh, it's a black actress and she's funny, but she's also like you can tell the actress... an awful human being in this. Yeah, you can tell the actress is really going for the character they want her to play and she's hitting it. But I don't like that character. I don't either. <laughs> so it's hard. And like I said, if we'd seen the first movie, and assuming, again, we're guessing here. So if anybody's seen Why Did I Get Married before Why Did I Get Married 2, and you're like, well, there's a reason, idiots, because... You saw Why Did I Get Married, Ash? Is that what you're trying to tell us about? In his past life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if anybody's ever seen Why Did I Get Married, and they're, you're, you're screaming at the, your podcast... Screen, your podcast speaker right now. Well, you know, there's a reason for that, you morons. You should have seen the first movie. It makes it okay. I'm like, well, we didn't. We made a rule when we did this podcast that a sequel needs to be able to stand on its own. Yeah. And if we were going to watch a remake, it would only be after we saw the original. Yeah. Or the, the remake itself. We would yeah. watch the original after that. Yeah. Like we did with Walking So Tall. that way we could see what the remake has to offer compared That the new movie didn't, but we aren't yeah. using, we aren't judging the new movie by the original standards. Yeah. We're seeing it on its own merits first. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we didn't watch, but I'll admit the main reason I said that is because Dwayne Johnson has a reputation for doing a lot of sequels and I didn't feel like having to set even more movies for us to watch. <laughs> Uh, we're going to do all of the first films, but um, if we didn't already see the first film, we're not going to comment on it. We're not going to intentionally seek it out just to watch it. Marcus and his wife have a, a big fight, and Marcus's wife is crazy. Uh, I think this is where he uh, they're trying to get plane tickets. They're at the airport. They're at yeah. the airport, and Marcus... I don't know why they wouldn't have had the plane tickets already if they were planning this trip, I don't know. whatever. It, there's a girl behind the counter who recognizes Marcus. Apparently, in the first movie, he was a bit of a deadbeat, and in this movie, he's since gotten himself a job as a commentator on sports, a sports channel. Yeah. And he's doing quite well, enough that the lady behind the counter recognizes him, and she's young and attractive, and she's pseudo-flirting with him, and he's pseudo-flirting with her, and... Honestly, though, she said he's as old as, his, as her dad. Yeah, so. but you can still tell she thought he was cute. And let's be honest, the guy playing Marcus is the guy who was in the, um, the original Spawn movie. Uh, he also more recently was in, uh, he played Bronze Tiger in the Arrow TV show. Mm. And the man is freaking ripped. Like, he gets shirtless a couple times in this movie, and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> I, Slow down, Eric. Well, no, I'm not into dudes, but I, as someone who's been struggling his whole life to get his fat off of him, whenever I see a guy that put the work in, I'm impressed. That's what I'm getting at. Okay. So, anyway, yeah, he's... He, He's a, he's a handsome enough man, and his wife just goes nuts. She walks over and yell, calls her a hoe. And for, like, Don't you want his number, girl? And it's in the middle of a crowded airport, and everybody's, like, looking at her, and then just, like... And it goes on and on, this scene. Like, oh. Like, it goes on forever, and I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we would have gotten the point for if you did it for, like, 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah. <laughs> they just kept it going. 
and going and going. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm having bad flashbacks of my mom being a psycho. Honestly, <laughs> it would have been funnier if uh, the moment Marcus's wife, Angela, looked over and saw the two of them pseudo-flirting, she said, oh, hell no, and she threw her magazine down and got up, and then we cut to them arriving. And, and they're still yelling and at And they're still them. yelling at each other, and then have uh, Marcus say, when, when they meet up with the others that are already there at the timeshare, yeah. have them go, what... Um, Say, uh, have, have was your trip? Well, no, have him say, yeah. uh, someone, have her say that, yeah, people at the airport knew who, knew who he was. Ask him about it. Ask him. I'm sure he's happy about it. And then have him say, yeah, you should also ask her how pe why people at the airport know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a line they actually had in the movie, but it would have been funnier if we didn't actually see it. Like, we see just imagined. the whole damn thing. It's we just imagined it. The funny, the best comedy slash horror is when you like imagine what's gonna happen. You know, or what some happens. comedy would work. I'm yeah. not saying you can't see it. Like a lot of Mel Brooks is comedy is just about showing you the joke, and that's why it's funny. Yeah, but, but I'm just saying a lot of my favorite moments are. Yeah, whenever I'm they... just saying in this case, I think the joke would work better if they just cut hard cut from her getting starting to get mad to yeah. them still fighting as they walk into the yeah. time chair, and, and it you get the impression they've been time. fighting the entire time. And it would have cut some down time on this movie. Movie, and also, so long. Yeah, it also would have done a good job of giving us a chance to understand what had happened through their fight in the timeshare as opposed to seeing it and then hearing about it after we just watched it. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens a lot in this movie. Yeah, they're like... They're they'll like, establish something and then they'll spend time talking about I it. I talk about a scene we just watched and I'm like, don't worry, I was there. Yeah, I, I saw the movie, I bought it. Well, I, I own I'm, it. I'm <laughs> watching the movie right now, we know. <laughs> I mean, again, if this is a play, I can understand that because yeah. a lot happens on a stage at any given time. Sometimes things will be missed by an audience. Yeah. So you do a scene and then you comment on that scene later yeah, to I remind people of, oh, yeah, that was happening over there. Uh, but a good example of this is something we've recently watched and actually mentioned in the podcast was uh, Hamilton. Yes. There's a little moment in Hamilton when... Um, there, the focus is on George Washington as he's trying to defend America from the British. And there's a little line where Hamilton comes out and grabs one of the guys and said, let's go get their cannons. Yeah. And, and then later when Hamilton's being interviewed by George Washington, he mentions that again, that Hamilton went out and grabbed the British cannons to use in defense of, I think, Boston. New York. New York. And as a result, like we needed to be reminded of that because you were probably watching, I mean, the movie version is cut so you see that. But yeah. in the play, you might have been focusing on George Washington's epic dancing because, and speaking. Yeah, because he's like saying the, all the stuff that's going on, and then you hear that in the corner. But if you're yeah, not Hamilton, talking, just walks across the camera and then does talks. Let's to go the steal guy. their cannons! Bye. Yeah, and then but you're but it's in the middle of George Washington's speech song, yeah. so you might have been focusing more on him. So we're reminding the audience that he did it a few lines later makes sense but in a movie where you literally have to look at whatever we're showing you we saw that scene <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of redundant a little bit uh okay um so then we get um we get the the guys and girls splitting up and the guys go out to the beach ostensibly to uh to water ski and the girls chill in the living room Jet ski, whatever. Yeah. And then the girls uh, chill. And we never actually really see anybody do it, so it doesn't really matter. It's just I something know. on the water. And then the girls chill in the, the living room to talk. And we have a guy talk scene. And the new guy, Troy, is so obviously the new guy. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, you guys are all weird and crazy, yo. Uh, and um, I'm like, okay. Oh, we, we missed a little moment where Troy and, was it Deanna? Is the name of the girl that he's married to? 
Uh, she was amazing in this film. Oh, God, I can't remember. I would say after um, Janet Jackson, she impressed me the most. Sheila. Sheila, that's who this Sheila, is. Sheila, yeah. She, she was great. She, she was, was amazing. Fa- she was easily my favorite character in this Yeah, I think film. Janet Jackson surprised me the most as an actress, but the yeah. one who was the most consistently likable was Sheila. Yeah. I, I could imagine knowing and liking someone like Sheila. Yeah. She was... Uh, what's the name of the actress? Oh, Jill, Jill Scott. Scott. Actually, her name's on the cover. Okay. Yeah, she must it's be a, a fairly well-known in... Because yeah. it's ahead of Tyler Perry's name. Yeah. <laughs> right behind Janet Jackson. So, usually you put your but most she, well-knowns in order yeah. on the cover. But she was consistently great. great. I really liked her character. She had some genuinely deep moments. Yeah. But there's a little moment where her and Troy are talking on the beach, and it's, it's revealed that Troy... Is having trouble finding work now that they've moved to Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. And um, they basically spent their last dime on uh, moving. Well, on moving and then coming to this timeshare. Yeah. Like they are, they are literally broke now. Yeah, they do not have money. No, and and uh, Sheila, I guess, does have a job or doesn't? I guess we really don't know through the movie. No, they don't make it clear, but they did just have a kid, apparently. Yeah, she just gave birth. Yeah. Which apparently the actress herself had just given birth, so she yeah. knew a lot about what was going on. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, so then, then we get uh, the girl talk scene, and then during the girl talk scene, in walks Mike. And I gotta say, having watched the movie, I now understand Mike a little bit better. I don't feel as bad. But I don't feel as angry at him because I get why he was there now. Yeah. But in the original watching of this, I hated Mike so damn much. Apparently he, he was the villain, though. They say it in the interviews and stuff. So. Well, yeah, but that might have been the goal. But yeah. I, spoilers for the end of the movie, Mike has cancer. <laughs> yes. And he's apparently his girlfriend, I guess in the first movie, they must they mentioned that he had a girl in the first movie. That, that I'm, get, I'm guessing what happened is him and Sheila were in a relationship. He dated a younger woman. Yeah. And then he broke up with Sheila, and then she met Troy. I'm guessing that's what happened in the first film. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm guessing. And then she found out he had, Mike had cancer and then broke up with him between movies, and now he's desperate to find someone to cling to. Yeah. Because dealing with cancer is awful, especially if you're doing it alone. Yeah. Unfortunately, almost all of his friends have chosen to side with Sheila because she was... Understandably. he was an awful person. Yeah. Not just in that sequence, but we get information later that says he was an abusive boyfriend. Yeah. A very abusive boyfriend. Yeah. And he's desperately trying to connect with somebody. And yeah. none of the other boys really want him there. Yeah. And none of the ladies want him there. And he makes a few passes at Sheila. And it makes it abundantly clear she doesn't want anything to do with him. No, because she's got a new husband that she and, absolutely loves. And she has absolutely every reason to be mad at him. I'm not forgiving him for abuse just because he now has cancer. No. That's not how That's not how punishment works. No. But at the same time, I can understand as someone who is facing their own likely mortality, how that must feel being completely alone. That yeah. would be a rough realizing thing. That, realizing your mistakes and what you had done, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I, I can understand him wanting to go there looking for companionship and support and not getting any. Yeah. I mean, he deserves not getting any. Yeah. But I get it. Yeah. I get why he went there now. Still a dick move. Basically. Because what he should have done was gone to them all honestly at the open of it. Like, if he'd walked in and honestly said, look, I am sorry about everything I did. And the reason I'm sorry is because I had to face something recently. I have cancer, and there's no guarantee that I'm going to get out of it. Actually, what he should have done was waited until the very end of their time together, like track down how long they were going to be at the timeshare, and then told them at the end of it. When they were about to leave, he said, look, I know you guys don't want me here. I know you're about to leave, but I got something I got to tell y'all. 
and then laid it out yeah. and apologized to Sheila and just let them know mm-hmm. and see if they were willing to meet him halfway to at least try to be there for him a little bit. Yeah. That would have been the correct reaction to this. Instead, he shows up to what is ostensibly, ostensibly the first year, um, their first real vacation between the woman he abused and abandoned and her new husband who loves her and she loves and is throwing a massive wrench in all of their friends' weekend. Yeah. And this is not Pretty just an unnecessary drama, basically. Yeah, this is not, just for the record, this is not like a just fun thing they did. This is something they do every year as a, as a marriage retreat to help their marriages. There's yeah. a whole scene about it later. Yeah. This is a really big dick move on his part. I get why. Still a dick move. Yes. <laughs> Understandable dick move to a certain extent. Still a dick move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mike says a whole bunch of, of dumb shit. Like he, and then uh, Troy scores a massively good point. Yeah. I also like that everyone tries to get Mike out of there. Like all of them are like, you should not be here, bro. Yeah. You really should. Like none of the boys were like, yo, bro, how you doing? We right. missed you. Oh, no, they're all like, dude, you should not be here. What the fuck <laughs> are you doing yeah. here? That was a good reaction for friends. Like they don't want to tell Mike, who was also their friend, to get the fuck out. But they're also like, dude, you you have no idea how much you're screwing this up right now. Yeah. You need to go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, I'm going to stay here and ride around on, on jet skis and shit. Uh, it's um, my time share, too. Yeah. All right, I don't know what the hell that was. It says football and something growing on me. Oh, yeah, the football pun thing. Oh, the football pun. That's the word supposed to be puns. <laughs> yeah, the football, <laughs> the football phrases that the guy keeps using. Yeah, Marcus is, has a bunch of a running gag where he keeps using football terms to talk about their relationships. And the hilarious thing is that most of everybody, including the other guys, don't know what the hell he's talking We're about. They're like, man, we don't know what the fuck you're Marcus talking about. Marcus was the best character in this movie. Yeah. I mean, okay, Besides Sheila you. was the best character. Marcus was the most consistently enjoyable. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> enjoyable. Because Sheila is great, but she and she has a lot of very powerful moments I really like. But she's a heavier character. I don't yeah. mean that physically. I mean emotionally. Yeah, emotionally. She's emotionally. Kind of, I, I just her real, story is much darker. Yeah, I don't... I'm not trying to, to heavy shame. I'm the last person that would do that. I'm just saying that emotionally she is a much, hev, much darker character. Yeah. But Marcus is just a guy, and he's funny through most of it. <laughs> he's hilarious. It actually makes me wonder why that actor hasn't tr- done... I mean, he might have. I haven't seen him in much. But most of the times he, I see him in movies, he's in action films. I'm like, well, you should do more comedies, dude. You're funny. You got really good timing. Uh... <laughs> uh and then Troy immediately loses a point after he because he he drops like a major line on uh, I think the line is that Mike says congratulations on the kid and he goes hey if you'd done your job when you were married to Sheila I would I wouldn't have one you would have had one yeah. you know and um, uh, which was a nice Mike drop moment yeah no pun intended yeah. Mike drop yeah get it yeah you dropped it okay and then. <laughs> And then Troy immediately loses the point by getting all pissy about the fact that uh, Sheila mentions they're really low on money. And it kind of makes him... Troy is one of those characters that's really hard to consistently like. Because sometimes you're like, oh, he's really good. And other times you're like, Jesus Christ, stop it with the like Toxic male chauvinism. Yeah, the toxic masculinity where you're like, oh, I don't have money and I'm not a provider. Therefore, I'm not a real man. Therefore, I'm insecure and going to take it out on you. Yeah, because Sheila clearly doesn't care. I mean, she knows they need money and they're going to have to find a way to do it. But 
that's not what this is about. This is about he needs to fight. He's a man and needs to beat the saber tooth with his own club. <laughs> it's like, dude, stop. Dude, stop. And I'm like, I understand where he's coming from because he's extremely insecure because money's. Well, it's it's a combination of things. One, yeah. he is the second husband to Sheila. Yeah. And I understand that's probably going to not necessarily nobody should feel this way, but I can understand feeling a little niggle that you are the second choice. You're not. You're the better choice. That's yeah. why she went with him. Yeah. But I can understand feeling and you're the second husband makes you second place yeah. is what it would feel like. That, and they make it very clear in the movie that Mike makes a lot more money. Mike makes a lot of money. He uh, Sheila apparently never had a problem with being with provi- being provided for. Yeah. Even though she was emotionally traumatized and physically attacked she was never financially in trouble yeah plus he's a cop and not being able to find work as a police officer like serve and protect tying into like his natural state of i need to protect and serve my family too yeah and he's not able to do that like i need a job to do both of those things yeah plus he's a new time dad plus he's out with his wife's friends he makes it abundantly clear that although he doesn't hate these guys they're not his friends they're not his friends he's doing this for his wife and it makes things a little awkward to have your wife's friends know that you're having a hard time finding work yeah it shouldn't to all men out there it shouldn't but it does <laughs> Uh, so I, I can understand why Troy gets emotional about this. I still don't think he went way over the top with most so, of it. Sometimes he overreacted. In the most movie. times, I would say almost every yeah, time he, he overreacted. overreacted in a really bad way. And I don't, I don't agree with it. And I don't support it. I'm not going to give him a pass for it. Uh, but like, he, he eventually got to like he would. He, I guess his cycle is he would react really angrily and then realize he overreacted and apologize for it. Yeah. But considering he is both a grown man and a cop. You should probably narrow down that first overreaction thing. Yeah. <laughs> it should needs to work on that. Yeah. Seriously, especially in that profession, dude. Uh, <laughs> not trying to get topical, just saying. Um, and then I have a note that says, don't get Sheila back with Mike, because there was a scene where Mike the next morning is talking to Sheila while she's making breakfast for Troy. Yeah. And he's trying to lay out, like, again, knowing the end of the movie... I understand what he's trying to do is to establish a connection to say, you know, it wasn't all bad between us because he's about to ask her to look after him while he's going through chemo. Yeah. But it plays like he's trying to get her, Sheila, out from under Troy and get back with her because he realized that she was... The the, best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah, that he screwed over the only person that was willing to put up with all of his bullshit. And I love her... That might be her best scene is when she... He goes, he layers out, like, remember the house we got together? Remember the wallpaper? He goes, it was blue, right? No, she goes, no, it was yellow. He goes, no, it was blue. He goes, no, it was yellow. I remember, because I remember the part where, what, did he slam her head into it? Yeah, he slammed her into it. <laughs> and it, it was caved in in one area. And I remember the countertop was, had red stains on the corner from the time you, you pushed me down on it. No matter how hard I scrubbed, I couldn't get those blood stains up. And, like, she narrows down every one of his points to, you may have thought it was a happy home. It wasn't. Yeah. It was a domineering home for me. It was a place where I was... It may have been a, a home for ha- with happy memories for you, but for me, it was every the one of those worst ha- place. Every one of those happy memories is tinged and broken forever because of what you did to me while we were there. Yeah. And that was a good reaction. Like, I was genuinely proud of her. Like, it starts always like, oh, well servants can cook that for you and she's yeah. like i like cooking yeah and he likes my cooking <laughs> and, yeah. and and then she slowly and methodically tears his ass and, yeah, <laughs> open. and he deserved it if everything she said is true which i have no reason to doubt sheila yeah. then he deserved that and worse mm-hmm. 
Um, but I, I literally wrote down, don't get Sheila back with Mike, because I'm like, this, if this movie ends with her back with her ex-husband, especially after that conversation, I'll be really pissed. Thankfully, that's not what happens. No, no. Um, then Troy got another good insult in, like they had another like outdoor... Like I said, most of this movie consists of, we go into a room, and we have a conversation. Yeah, it's literally... And then we go into a room, we have another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally... It's filmed like a very long, slow play. Yeah, which, again, I understand. I'm not trying to knock. I'm just saying it doesn't work as well in film. No, it doesn't translate as well. well. <laughs> Especially with such a long film. Uh, then there's a, there's a scene, I think, here is where we get the scene of all the couples in bed. And we get to see the beginnings of all of their real issues. Yeah. Because Marcus, Angela is intentionally trying to aggravate Marcus. She's screaming at him about his cell phone, which she wants the password to his cell phone. I'm sorry, no. And there's a discussion Not earlier. Not with the way she, uh, she's acting. Yeah, well, there's a discussion earlier where all the women are, like, discussing whether or not they have the password to their husband's cell phones. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't need that. No. <laughs> if you're in a relationship where you can't trust the man or woman you're with enough that you have to, like have their cell phone password then you shouldn't be with them no you just shouldn't um but she's trying to start a fight specifically because she wants marcus to have like anger sex with her like make a really angry makeup sex yeah uh because marcus literally comments on that earlier yeah and then um we see uh true uh, uh, uh tyler Perry's, Perry's couple, like him and the, his... The least boy. interesting couple. <laughs> yeah, him and his wife are kind of pseudo-cuddling, but they're listening to the, the fight that's happening between Janet Jackson and her and husband. she says some other dude's name, I guess. And, and Yeah, she, she like mumbles some other guy's name, but it's it's passed over pretty quick. Yeah, it's it's kind of passed over and doesn't come up to like halfway through the film. Well, three quarters. They were three, really three near fourths. the end. Three fourths. Yeah, yeah before, they, before they very... really dealt with it. And then um, they waited a long time for that. Yeah, they, and then the last one was um, the the Sheila relationship with Troy, and in that one, uh, Sheila is it's her trying to explain you know, like I didn't mean to embarrass you. We just need to talk. And I wrote down this note here. This is the best representation of how passive aggressive anger hurts people. I think <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. Because. It starts out with Troy just turning his back on her and refusing to talk to her, and she's constantly trying to get him to talk yeah. in bed about what happened, and she, he just refuses to. He just keeps shutting her down. And then finally she says, look, I was already in a household. I was already in a marriage where a man wouldn't talk to me, and when he finally did talk to me, he talked to me with his fists. I'm not doing that again. No. You need to sit here and you need to talk to me because it's, it's hurting me that you won't do that. And it was the first best representation of passive how passive aggressiveness really does hurt the other person I've seen in quite a while. In film, yeah. Um, which is a really good thing. Um, <laughs> then I wrote down Sheila's the best character, which yeah. is great. Then we get the introduction of the ashes joke. They're out on the beach, and uh, Angela's being uh, yelling, a yelling crazy person again. And suddenly an, uh, she gets hit in the face by what looks like a bunch of dust. <laughs> and an old couple walks up and says, we're so sorry. That was our friend. Uh, we're, they're carrying this urn. They goes, that, that was our friend. We were going to throw him into the water because <laughs> uh, they were going to... But the, the wind caught it. The wind caught it and blew it into her hair. And she just starts screaming and runs she into the water. Like, and the rest of the scene, she's just screaming in the background, which would have been funny if I hadn't heard her screaming constantly up to this point. Yeah. Uh, so basically, they're having a normal conversation while she's running around in the water trying to get this dead person off. Yeah, she's screaming constantly they about said, it. They said, oh, he'd been happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But the elder couple was really cute. They uh, this, were fun. Yeah. This night was when they had the, uh, the the discussion of why did I get married, which is where the title of the movie comes from. By the way, it was literally 15 minutes in when they said the title of the movie, which I, at that point I still was convinced it was going to be a comedy movie. Yeah. Because you don't usually say the title of the movie in the movie that early unless it's a comedy. No, apparently we were wrong. We were very, we were all so wrong. Apparently this broke all the rules for yeah, filming. It did. In all the wrong ways. But the elder couple, um, it's there's two actor there, there's an actor I've seen in quite a few things named um, uh, Lewitt Gossett Jr. He plays Porter. And his wife, Ola, is an actress I've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, played by Cicely Tyson. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And the two of them discuss how they ended up together. And basically, they both started together, then he shipped off to the war, got married overseas, yeah, had two kids, then she... She married an old rich man. A rich man, leaving him alone with his two kids. And she, who was... They were, they were like high school sweethearts. Yeah. She got married to a much older man, and then he passed away... After she had, like, two, like, a daughter. Two or three kids. Two or three kids. And then she was in, like, she didn't know how she was going to make ends meet. She didn't know what she was going to do. And then she was in church praying for help. And that's when he walked back into her life. Yeah. And the two of them got married and been married ever like, since. the second time they met, he was by himself in the market, but she was married at the time. And yeah. he, was, he was having a hard time with his kids. And he was just like, she was very rude. Yeah. <laughs> It was really cute because it showed that, you know, yeah. a lot of couples have... Sometimes couples drift apart and then they come back together. Yeah, and also the idea that you don't have to believe that, you know, sometimes there are there, there are people you could spend the rest of your life with and there was also people that meant to move on from. Yeah. And that would be the first marriages they both had. Yeah. Um, but another thing about this is that it clearly reeks of being the sequel because we only get the new couple, the old couple, and then Janet Jackson announcing that her and her husband are getting a divorce, as opposed to the stories from the other three couples, which I'm assuming were in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, so we don't actually get those stories of why they got married. Like, they, uh, they skip over it. They basically skipped over Tyler Perry and his... His wife and Marcus and Angela. Yeah. Uh, which, again, made it harder to watch this particular movie because I didn't know why the hell Marcus was with her. <laughs> uh, and as we, I just mentioned, Janet Jackson announces that she, her and her husband are going to get a divorce, which I believe his name... Was that Gary? Was that her husband? Gary or Jerry or something? Gavin. Gavin, Gavin was her husband. Uh, he's in... His name is Malik Yoba. I hope I'm saying that correct. He's in Revolution, which I've seen, and he was also in... Um, Defying Gravity, which I've seen. Uh, Gavin, uh, okay, Janet Jackson does a, a really mean thing. Janet Jackson's character, for the record, is named Patricia. Yeah. But I just kept seeing Janet Jackson. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to go with Janet Jackson. Um, Janet Jackson's character uh, does a really mean thing where she, apparently we find out later, she never discussed with Gavin that she was going to announce they were, in front of their friends they were getting a divorce. Yeah. Uh, which is... Really bad to thing to do, but it, it doesn't justify his reaction. They <laughs> did establish earlier in the movie that they were clearly fighting, but they didn't really touch it. They wanted to wait on it because, like, there was a moment where she leaves her room crying, and one of her friends is like, "Hey, are you okay?" And she's like, "I'm fine." And then walks away. Yeah. The next three lines from this were, "Oh my God!" with an exclamation point. Then, does every relationship in this need to end? Then, Jesus. 
<laughs> so there must have been a lot of stuff back to back that really was like, whoa. By the way, I was surprised to find out that immediately the next morning after they did their Why Did I Get Married conversation, which is about halfway through the film, yeah. they just were back in the city. Yeah, I was 100% certain the movie was going to take entirely place in that timeshare. Yeah, I thought so too. And then apparently they just cut and they're in the city. I'm like, okay, that's something that that's happened. That's so weird. Mm hmm. Uh, then I wrote Gavin is now worse than Mike because I think that was uh, around the time uh, that Gavin got really, what, drunk? And... He got drunk and basically almost physically abusive. Yeah, well, he did. He threw, he her, on the, yeah, he he threw, threw her, her on the couch and held her down like while she was begging for him to let her go. And poor He doesn't alcohol. beat her or anything like that. No, but, but it's, it's assault. It's so. assault and it, it definite emotional abuse. But yeah. according to Gavin, what I think what the writer was going for is not that Gavin's a bad guy. It's that Gavin has been repressing himself his entire relationship with Janet Jackson because she, as a psychiatrist, is very much in control of her emotions. Yeah. And he wants her to break. He wants her to show that he, she cares about him, about this relationship. Because apparently their child died in the first movie. Yeah. And, or I mean, around, it was dealt with in the first movie at least. Yeah. And it's commented on apparently this Apparently it was dealt with enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Mike burns their only photos of their kid, which Not is... Not Mike, I, uh, Gavin. Uh, Gavin. You know what I meant. Yeah. Gavin burns the only photos they have of their child in this movie, which I cannot imagine a more horrible thing to do to a grieving mother. Yeah. I know he was drunk. I know it was his kid, too. I don't care. That was horrifying Yeah, that see. was the worst part of this movie. Not, not, like, bad, like, as in horrible, but, like, it was the first time that I actually felt, like, actual real emotions yeah because i was just from like a couple that wasn't sheila and troy yeah and like you can't you can't do that that is just yeah. awful um so then i wrote gavin is now worse than mike then they made a gay marriage joke which i i don't remember the joke but apparently it was important enough for me to write down i should comment we actually watched this movie two weeks ago we just didn't have a chance to record until now yeah so i should have mentioned at the top of this that a lot of this stuff has left my mind even though I've been desperately trying to hold on to it, I'm just glad. Apparently, I... it's like it was like something like they're the only ones that want to get married. Oh yeah, something. yeah, I remember that because it was during the the, the yeah. Janet Jackson fuck up the room scene. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Janet Jackson beats up the room. We talked about this. Where it's she, great. She grabs a couple of uh, of okay, Gavin break. Ga okay, Janet Jackson kicks Gavin out of their house and locks him out, and then he convinces his his buddies Marcus and uh, Tyler Perry. That he's allowed to go in and get Well, no, he stuff. says, come and help me move. Yeah. And then he shows up and the, the doors have been changed, so he just breaks a window and breaks in. And he's telling the, his guy friends, come on, we got to get our stuff and get out. And they're like, we just broke and entered, dude. This is way over the line. And then Janet Jackson shows up at that exact moment, grabs, because um, Mike apparently went back mainly for his golf clubs. Yeah. Or Gavin mainly went back for his golf clubs. Yeah. And so she grabs his golf clubs and just starts breaking all their shit. Like, like oh, dusting them. And they everything. have lots of beautiful glass furniture. Yeah. She fucking wrecks it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's up there with uh, the, the famous room-destroying scene in, um, uh, I was going to say The Room, but... <laughs> that, that movie's... So bad. Uh, but I was actually going to comment in uh, Citizen Kane. Yeah. It was one of the most famous room yeah. 
fuck-up scenes ever. And it's basically that. This one is almost on that level. The rest of the movie isn't up to Citizen Kane level, but that scene is. That yeah, because really she good. just is wailing on shit, yelling at him. She's yeah, like, she's... you want me to feel emotions? Here's me feeling emotions. Yeah, bitch. she just starts breaking shit. It's, it's wonderful. God, it looks so cathartic, honestly. And then they make a gay marriage joke where uh, Marcus is like, yeah, you know, gay people are the only ones who want to get married, which was <laughs> actually kind of funny. Uh, and then they have the, uh, then she, she, Janet Jackson then runs into a back room and grabs a freaking shotgun and points it at the guys. And I'm like, oh my God. She's <laughs> gone crazy. Ah. Completely crazy. And they run out. Uh, and then we cut back to Marcus and his girlfriend, uh, his wife, Angela, and God, is she toxic. This is when she just keeps screaming about his cell phone. Because apparently they, they're... This is their next door neighbor's issue. Yeah, the neighbor heard sex noises. Coming from her bedroom. Yeah. From Angela's bedroom while Angela was out. Yeah. So Angela runs into Marcus's job and pulls him off camera to scream at him for cheating on her. Yeah. Now we find out later what's actually happening is... Their, uh, their gardener and maid yeah. are having sex at their house in their bed whenever yeah. they have the chance. And she never apologizes to him for the, for having assumed it was him. No. Again, if we'd seen the first movie and Marcus cheats on her in the first film, I might be a little bit more on her side. But in this movie, she just comes across as awful. Basically, we're Troy in this story. Yeah. We are brand new to this crew and have yeah. no idea what drove We don't know what the hell is going on. But... Oh, I don't like Angela. I would not want to be friends with her. No. Um, it just is like, she she like barely apologizes. <laughs> now, just before this, um, Sheila sees how stressed Troy is getting about not being able to find a job. And she goes to Mike and says, do you still golf with that uh, chief, police poli- chief? Police chief. He says, yeah. And she goes, can you do me a favor? And can you get him to give uh, Troy a job or at least an interview? Like a real shot. Yeah, she's like, I don't want you to hold this over me, but I need this. I need this. I know you're going to hold it over me, but he needs a job. It's yeah. it's killing him. And then shortly after that, Mike calls her, and then she just runs into his place and screams at him. Like, like how dare you? I told you not to call me. Yeah, this was not, I, I you don't get to hold this. If he this. finds out. I'm... Yeah. Well, it was more that I think she realized that yeah. he was going to hold this over her, and she, she wanted to establish right away, this was meant to be a favor I was asking you of, not a, not a quid pro quo. Yeah. And that's when Gavin apparently explains, oh, no, Gavin, Mike apparently explains to her that he has cancer. Yeah. Um, and he needs her help. But we don't know this until a like, little bit later on. No, I think we find out here is when he says it to her. I think that's that, but Troy doesn't know. Because Troy hasn't explained to him. Uh, I don't. I thought we didn't know for sure. No, because otherwise we would have hated Sheila for going and spending time with him after that. Yeah. Because I think it, that was why they had him say it right there was so uh, that we okay, know. Okay. It's a very. She didn't. She, I mean, okay. This is. This movie's a hard movie to remember. When she first met him in that restaurant, she was asking for the favor. He didn't tell her. Yeah. But when he called her and asked her to come visit, that he explained to her, "I have cancer. Yeah. And I'm going to be going through treatment soon. And I have no one to help me." Because yeah. anybody who's ever met anyone or even seen what cancer treatment is like, it's pretty horrible. Yeah. Um, you go through chemo, you throw up, your hair falls out, although I think he was already bald. You're, you lose weight. You it, it, it takes its massive toll on your body. Your body is basically killing itself yeah, in it, order to save itself. Yeah, so you need help from somebody, uh, no matter how strong you are. And Sheila's the only person that ever cared about Mike, so that's the person he ran to. Uh, he was. He probably didn't deserve it, but Sheila is a nice enough person that she was willing to do it. Yeah. Uh, even though it endangered their relationship with Troy, which we find out a bit later yeah. what happened with that. Um, 
Then we finally get the... This is like the two-third mark. We finally get Tyler Perry's character finally confronting his wife, Diane. Who's been distant, apparently. She's been distant, and she's been dressing up much more pretty at work. Yeah. And she's been moaning other guys' names in in her sleep. And they haven't really been talking about it. Yeah. And then he notices what she's going to wear, which is this black... It's very sexy, lacy. Very lacy undergarment for her pink shirt. And he goes, you're wearing that to work tomorrow? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, it's pretty sexy. And she goes, yeah, it is. You want me to model it for you? And he goes, please don't make me ask the question. And he lays out how she's been very distant and very clearly not as into him for a while. Yeah. And he lays out all the facts that he would has noticed as a husband. And she points to the actress. She sells that she's really breaking down that nothing actually happened yeah. but there's a she's a, a paralegal i think um she's a she's a lawyer she's a lawyer and she has um another lawyer guy she's worked with late a couple times and the two of them are basically we actually doing, see him in the movie at one point yeah the two of them are basically having what is the equivalent, emotional affair yeah where they're not sleeping with each other they're not getting naked but they are flirting they are spending time with each other when they don't have to and they are dressing sexier for one another and he says, you know, this, I, I gotta leave. And she begs him to forgive her and all the things you would expect. And then he just gets up and walks away. And then, um, shortly after this is when Troy finds out that he got his job because a guy named Mike put in a good word for him. Yeah. So he goes over to Mike's place and he finds Sheila. Sheila. And he reacts as badly as you would expect in that scenario, where he walks in and basically just decks Mike while he's recovering. And yeah. then that's and Sheila screams at him that he's dying, he's got cancer. Yeah. And Troy says, I don't care, and he storms out. Yeah. But then we get the, the scene where all the guys, uh, shy of Troy, are all sitting around talking about the fact that... What, and what the scenes we just watched, yeah, basically. The fact that Mike has cancer and the fact that uh, Terry's, uh, Diane is cheating emotionally on him. Yeah. I do like that he comments on his perspective on it. Because in most television shows and movies, the fact that she didn't actually sleep with this guy... Would have been would, enough. Would have been enough to just kind of say, okay, it doesn't really count. But he's like, no, no, no. Sex is for a lot of women what it isn't for a lot of guys. Yeah. Which is, we can flirt and it doesn't mean anything. But if you're flirting, if you're putting that much work into flirting, especially if you're a woman, then you want, then that's almost worse than just having sex. Because she wanted women him to want her. emotional creatures, apparently. Yeah, she wanted him to want her. Yeah. And that was, that was the big betrayal, I think, in his mind. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Mike, uh, Troy gained a lot of points for me because he walks in and apologizes to Mike for decking him. He yeah. goes, look, I, I still don't like what you did. I don't like how it happened, but I do understand. I didn't know you were sick, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And points to Mike. He goes, look, it's cool. I get it. Yeah. And they kind of bury the hatchet. Yeah, which I, I'm, I'm happy about, <sighs> even if, like, a lot of the other stuff hasn't been fucking solved at all. <laughs> no, the fact that Troy is upset with... Literally, Tro- the Troy-Mike-Sheila shit could have been a movie all in its own. Yeah, and almost it all been of these really stories good. could have been by themselves. Yeah. Um, the problem is that they put them all in one fucking movie. And well, was... here's the thing. The Marcus-Angela relationship would have been a decent comedy film. Yeah. Of an incredibly toxic relationship, but they both just love each other too much to walk away. Yeah. Uh, the... The Tyler Perry's character in Diane would have made a decent, like, Lifetime movie story. Yeah, Lifetime movie or, like, a short episode of something. Yeah, Mike and Troy and Sheila should have been a whole romance dramedy movie. Yeah. And Janet Jackson and Gavin's story could have been an episode of, like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, Law and Order. 
Where yeah. it's mainly about, like, there's a trial going on, but it's also about one of the, the lawyers dealing with uh-huh. her distant husband and yeah. how emotion. Because if you ever watch, like, A Law and Order SVU, those actors go through a lot of bullshit in yeah. their personal lives. And that could have been a part of that. Yeah. So this feels like it should have been not the same movie. Yeah, <laughs> these feel disconnected. Like, yeah. I know they're supposed to be connected. They're thematically connected, but they don't feel tonally connected. Yeah. That's the problem. There's three different, three or four different tones going on here, so. But I wrote Troy and Mike both get points, and they do. They, they actually bury the hatchet. Like I said, Troy, I assume, just got over it. Yeah. Uh, he recognized that Mike did this because he needed Sheila's help. And, and he, he realized uh, he, Sheila was doing it because she's a good person. A yeah, and, and as much as he might hate Mike for what he did to Sheila, Sheila is a good enough person to do this for yeah. him. And it, it feels more like an exchange. Like, okay, in his mind, he's like, okay, he did a solid for her by helping me get a job. Now she's doing a solid for him. I can get over the fact I, I do my job well. Because they actually have the guy who tells him about Mike. Yeah. They actually have him say, you did really good out there, Rupert. Usually we don't get recommendations that are good. Yeah, that are good, and he's genuinely impressed. So he's still doing his job well. Yeah. It's the only scene of him actually even in a uniform, but it was at least a scene where they yeah. congratulated him on being a good police officer. Yeah. So we know he's good at his job. He just, now that he has one, he's going to have to get over that fact that Mike helped him get it. Yeah. Which, grow up, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we have the scene where... Um, Originally, there was a scene where Diane was uh, the the lawyer for Janet Jackson's character when they when her and Gavin were having a nice peaceful divorce where they yeah. would just split everything down the line, and then Gavin demanded that she, apparently Janet Give. Jackson's character has a series of psychi- psychiatric books that have sold really well. Yeah, and he wants half of her profits from that. Even- even though it's her book. Yeah, because he claims, again, I think... That what, he was her, her study Her subject. case study for most of these. Yeah. I actually think, again, I think the point was Gavin didn't want this to go peacefully because too much of their relationship had been peaceful. Yeah. He wanted her angry enough to react. Yeah. And this is something that she can, she's very proud of and very protective of is her book career. So going after that it's wasn't so much... her own money. That yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so much that he wanted her money. It's that he wanted her reaction. Yeah. It was still dickish, and he should have just let the relationship end. Yeah. But I get that's what he was going for, because he was going through his own trauma from losing a kid, too. Yeah. And he felt like he had to go through it alone, even though his wife was a psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, but this scene, um, Gavin, she walks in with a, a cake, a birthday cake, at Gavin's office, and it's filled with a gay black stripper, yeah. uh, which I guess is meant to be an insultive joke. I don't know. I, don't I would have laughed. I, and, it was confusing. Yeah, because I guess the implication... I, okay, I think what the joke they were going for, which this movie came out in, what, 2000, 2010? So this was way too late for this. But I think the implication was supposed to be she was implying to his co-workers that the reason their marriage was ending is because Gavin was gay. Yeah. And he should be embarrassed about that. But in reality, it just came across like she was exploiting a gay man yeah, <laughs> who just wanted to get little, paid to dance out of a cake. It was a little <laughs> weird. It was a little weird, but it was meant to just show that Janet Jackson's character is finally reacting. Yeah. Like she's finally getting really mad and consistently focused on Gavin. Yeah. So she chases him out of his office and he gets in his car and he drives away and then boom, car crash. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> okay, what, what the hell? That was a real shock. I think uh, it woke us up. <laughs> yeah. Ten minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah, it, yeah it, was, it was like, we like it was like it was like out of nowhere. Just yeah. he's driving away. Like all he had to do was like he was a boom. 
And we're like, oh, shit. And then <laughs> okay. They a, and then sh- they, uh, she starts crying. I guess she'll keep her money. Yeah. <laughs> Jan Jackson starts crying. Would she technically be guilty of, like, a partial manslaughter since she was the one that was no. chasing him as he drove away? No, it wouldn't be her fault at all. He, if he felt threatened. Yeah, but, like... You saw what Janet Jackson did to his house. She didn't have <laughs> any weapons well, on her. Well, their house. Yeah, but she didn't have weapons on her at the time. She was just yelling it's at It's Janet her. Jackson. She is a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> now you just want to see a spy movie with Janet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> she might have done one. I don't know how many other movies she was in. Was she in the, the first Nutty Professor? Was that the guy that he was chasing? Because I know she did the Nutty Professor song. Like, the Doesn't Really Matter was the Nutty Professor music video movie. I don't remember. I mean, that was a movie I watched, like, a million years ago. <laughs> Honestly. Yep, she was in the Nutty Professor. She played Denise. I don't know who that is. That's the love interest that Eddie Murphy was chasing through the whole movie. That's why he invented the skinny drug. The skinny drink was so he could get with Denise. She was the love interest? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You sure? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It was Nutty Professor 2 she was in. I was like... I couldn't see the full title. I'm like, I don't remember her being in the first one. I know she was in the music video. That's why I was wondering if she was in the film. Yeah, it was played by Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay, I'm completely wrong. I'm more than willing to admit that. Okay. I, but I just honestly thought that was her because I know she was in the music video. Again, it wasn't a music video for The Nutty Professor. They just, it was a, the music video in question for It Doesn't Really Matter, which is one of my favorite songs by her, but nobody remembers it, was she was in a futuristic city. They even had one of those little robot dogs you had from the 90s that would sit when you told it to. And she's singing the song, and then in the background, like on televisions, there would be, or screens, there was scenes from The Nutty Professor playing. Okay. Um, Anyway, so the car crash happens, and then we car cut to uh, the hospital, and Janet Jackson's character is just really selling it. Oh, there was a scene we skipped over again after she fucked up her house. Yeah. There's a scene where all the girls come over and she's like, just get out, please. Just Because she's just sitting on the stairs crying. Just leave me alone, basically. And they walk over and say, can we just can we just sit here? And then all three of them just sit around her and like, hold her while she cries. It was yeah. really sweet. Yeah, it was actually pretty sweet. It's the kind of thing I would hope that you know people would do for each other when they're in that kind of emotional disruption. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that was after she fucked up the house or after Gavin uh, assaulted her. I think it was both. Well, okay. I'm not sure which... I didn't know it was after Gavin assaulted her, but before the house screw up. But either way... I think it was after... But they're at, they're at the hospital, and Janet Jackson is again selling the fact that she's crying and emotionally broken, and she says, you don't want to feel like this. Fix it, fix it. And she basically grabs all of her friends and throws them at each other so that they'll fix their problems, which consists of them walking up to each other and holding each other. And I'm like, that is, I literally That's wrote down. That's not how it works. I, I literally wrote down, this isn't how you fix issues like these. <laughs> Marcus and Angela still have trust issues. Uh, Tyler Perry's character and Diane still have the fact that she was debating at least, cheating on him, emotionally, yeah. if nothing else. And Troy and Sheila's care problems, it relate entirely to Troy getting over his masculine machismo, but it still isn't clear if he's done that. Yeah. Like, apologizing to Mike is a good step, but he apologized to Sheila every time he got mad at her, and he got mad at her again. Yeah. So who's to say he's actually worked through his bullshit? I mean, it, theirs was the most concluded, but it still mm. didn't feel like... It was finished. So yeah. her saying, fix your problems right now was not how, that's not how it works. No, because I don't remember, I don't think any therapist has been like, oh, well, fix your problems. And then that was it. Yeah, your problems I, are fixed. 
I understand what they're going for. They really need to wrap up this really long movie right now. Yeah, because it was it was pretty long. Oh my god, it was like two hours and something. Like 121 minutes. So it's two hour and one minute. Jesus Christ! Yeah. It felt like every minute of that hour. Yep. Of those two hours. Uh. And then uh, they cut to, the doctor walks up and is, how's Gavin? And then we fade out and we fade up on the beach. And they're about to dump uh, some some ashes. And Megan was like, eh, it's Mike's. It's Mike's ashes. They're faking us out. No, it was Gavin. They, uh, yeah, Gavin they actually, died. They actually <laughs> killed Gavin. I was like, oh, they, they didn't psych me out. Okay. So, so Janet Jackson's character lost a child in the first movie and her husband under during a very emotionally stressful time in the second movie. Yeah. She has a rough life. <laughs> she, she's having a rough time here. Yeah. And then, like, they brush over that. Uh, yeah, then they... Then, okay, then, skip to a year later. Yeah, I honestly think this was supposed to be the original end of the movie. Yeah. It was supposed to be the emotional moment of them letting Gavin go with their marriage retreat where they started the movie... And they're doing the ashes, which the family was, the, the couple was doing earlier. And it was yeah. both the couple showing that they broke up, but then got back together and were even stronger and together for life was supposed to show, that mirror our other friends. Yeah. Where they, they broke up and, or they're having issues, but they're going to stick it out and make their marriage work together. stronger than they ever were. Yeah. And I think they realized that was way too heavy, or at least they thought it was too heavy. I actually think it would have been a better ending. Yeah. But um, it also would have meant we wouldn't have had to watch this movie because Dwayne Johnson wouldn't have been in it. Because in case you're wondering, there's a reason we haven't mentioned Dwayne Johnson up till now. Because he hasn't showed up till yeah. now. <laughs> we jump one year later. Which, uh, if any of you have ever lost somebody to death, uh, a year is not... Not enough time. Not enough time. Maybe two years. Two years, because uh, Jan Jackson's... Jan Jackson's walking out of her... her I guess she was doing a, a speech at a lecture, college. Lecture, apparently she's made more money because yeah, so she's, she's just so good at her job. She's doing lecture tours. And as she's walking out, the dean, of the, yeah, uh, and the dean of the school walks up to her. And she says, look, our, our biggest philanthropist donor would really like to meet you. And she goes, look, I'm not really in the mood. And he, she goes, please, please, please. Basically, okay. Tell her, move the fuck on. Well, actually, if you think about it, Dwayne Johnson's a bit of a creep in this because... She's preaching about grief, so she must know that her husband died a year ago. Yeah. And she's still dealing with it, and he's basically using the fact that he funds this place to pressure the dean to pressure her to talk to him so he can ask At her out. At least talk to him, and then... <laughs> so he can ask her out, uh, which is all kind of gross. If you think about it too hard, you're like, oh, God, that's gross. Yeah, it was only one year later. So this is, I mean, I can understand her maybe starting to date one year later, but not being pursued one year later. Like yeah. she still has to work, especially given how toxically bad their relationship was when he died, yeah, and how, how she would blame herself for that since she's the one that scared him out of his office. Yeah, you think she'd blame herself? She'd be for full him. of guilt. Yeah, <laughs> like oh my god, if I hadn't been yelling at him and did the cake thing, he wouldn't have took off in his car. If I hadn't got the gay dancer. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have taken off when I was yelling at him and gotten hit by a fucking car. Yeah. It was almost funny timing. Like, it was shocking enough that we didn't laugh, but, but I we're, we, if we ever rewatch this movie, which we won't, but if we ever did, that scene's going to make us laugh. That would make me laugh, yeah. There's a great scene in the first... Okay, anybody who watches New Charmed, I don't think it's a particularly good show. Uh, the second season has been lackluster at best. But the first season, in my opinion, is genuinely so bad it's good. There's, and there's a great moment where uh, the character of... Oh, Ga Galvin. Trip? No, Galvin, yeah. Galvin. Yeah. Where he's 
He's walking to, uh, he finally gets a date with Macy and he's about to, he's like, he just gets a text where she says, yeah, let's meet up and have a date. And he goes, awesome. And he walks three feet and then gets hit by a car. <laughs> and then the episode just ends. And we're, and we're like, so what the funny. fuck? And then the next episode, oh, he's okay. And I'm like, what? He was in, he was in the there hospital. Was no, Off was... camera, he was in the hospital. He shows up in a cast, and that's the only problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, all I'm thinking about is how if this was in a different show, they would have an entire episode of her wondering if he's going to be okay. And, and debating he's... using magic to save his life. Yeah, but no, they're just like, he's okay. He's just in a cast. It's only broke his leg. It's <laughs> also really funny because the reason he got hit by a car, we find out, is because since he agreed to date her, his protection spell, because she's half-demon, Macy, yeah. was activating to protect him, and the way it decided to protect him was having him hit by a car. <laughs> like, of all the ways to protect someone, you trying to fucking kill him is not where it's at. You couldn't just have his boss change his work hours next week so they can't go on that date? Is that well, a... No, but someone called out hit him with a fucking in. car. Yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> How should... did we get on this topic? <laughs> Uh, I, I wrote down 154 minutes in, but apparently I, that's not right because the movie's only 120 minutes. So I'm guessing I actually meant 104 minutes. It was, It felt like 154 minutes. Yeah, I think I meant 104 minutes in. I think I just miswrote it. <laughs> or, or an hour and 54. Oh, it was an hour and 54 minutes. That must have been it. Oh, uh, okay. I just didn't. I wrote it out as a full. I didn't 154 write 154 minutes. Because it's a two hour and one minute movie and it would have been about five minutes of credits. So yeah, we're talking about an hour and 54 minutes into this movie. Dwayne Johnson finally shows up. And, uh, um, and him, he, okay, they do the, the very stereotypical comedy shot where she's like, I really don't want to talk to him, I really want to talk to him. Oh, please, please talk to him. Okay, I'll talk to him. And then the camera swings over and does a slow pan up in his gorgeous suit on this really muscular man and just pans up to his face. And she's like, Hey. <laughs> <laughs> let's not think about the fact that Jane Jackson's like wailed. <laughs> yeah, let's also not think about the fact that she's that still in mourning. Been, and that she's in mourning and he's creeping on her. Yeah. Let's not think about how bad this entire scenario is. My, my favorite moment, though, probably the whole movie, is that him, that Johnson and Jackson do a smile off. I know. Well, they're both doing their best Cause you know she smile. Because he has that... He has a very charming he smile. He has a charming smile, and she has that great, like, little... That over... That bright smile. The bright smile. That lights up a room. <laughs> yeah. And the two of them are trying to smile off. Like, they're both doing their best smile. Like, we gotta, we gotta bring the A game. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm blind from the smiles. <laughs> so the two of them talk for half a second, and he says, look, I just really wanted to meet you. Is there any chance we could have a coffee? And she goes, sure. Cut to credits. Like that was We're a, like okay then. I that guess. was an odd way to end it, but okay. That was a comedy movie ending to a drama film. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird movie. Yeah, you say it every time. But yeah, it's but like your mantra. I, maybe it is. Yeah. Every movie we've seen is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a uh, we got the credits. They happened. Uh, not particularly interesting music playing over the credits. There was no post credit scene. No. Uh, there is no third movie in this franchise. Uh, however, there is a spinoff about Marcus and Angela. Uh, yeah, you know, our better... favorite characters. Yeah, it's called For Better or Worse. It lasted for five years and 105 episodes. Ouch. They broke the... Fu I'm willing to bet they... Towards the back end, they may have just been trying to do it so they can get to a syndication deal. Because once you get past 100 episodes, you can air it in syndication, which means other channels will buy it and air it, like, during the day. Ah. Uh. Or at other time slots. So that might be why it's 105 and then it ended. Yeah. They just had to drag it out long enough to get to there. 
But the fact that it lasted that long at all, five years. And Brian Fuller can't get a, get a fucking three-season show, get, get past three she- seasons on yeah, And bear in mind, I think both the actress who played Angela and the actor who played Marcus in this were in the, were the actors in that show. I'm 99% certain of that. I'm not really going to look it up because the way IMDb is set up, it would be hard to track down, for better or worse, in both their IMDb pages. Yeah. But I think they both are. So props to both the actors for having a steady career after this. And... Maybe the show was great. I don't know. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it at all. Um, But, and I will admit, if it was a comedy show, their relationship would work well as a comedy. I wouldn't like to watch Angela every episode for 105 episodes. But if it's like a 20, 20, 25 minute show without commercials, and they're like half hour comedy situations, it might be funny week to week. I don't know. Um, Eh... Uh, as I said earlier, I'm not that invested. I'm not going to check it out. Uh, but I'm just saying it is worth commenting this did spin off into a TV series. Mm. And I'm not sure if any of the other actors showed up or any of their characters showed up. Like, if Sheila and Troy showed up once or twice, I'd like to know what happened to their characters. That is That I'm interested in. But you Whether know. or not Mike actually beat cancer. <laughs> you know, I, or, but then again, it might just be just those characters. It might open up with um, Marcus having been transferred to like the California office of his channel, and they have to make new friends or some shit. Yeah, like to make that. whole new friends. I don't know, and I'm not interested enough to find out. I'm not I'm just either. Marginally worth commenting that this show did spin. This movie did spin off into a TV show. Yeah. Um, this is, as I mentioned earlier, the only play to film sequel that Tyler Perry has done, at least as of the last time someone updated IMDb. And they are still making Medea movies, so Tyler Perry's still out there doing them. Yeah. Uh, and this movie had a music video on the DVD. And, oh, the Blu-ray. And uh, the music video uh, is Janet Jackson's Nothing. Uh, nothing happens in the music video. Nothing. It, it felt like right out of the 90s. Yeah, it felt, yeah, we both watched it and we were like, wow, this feels very old. It, feel, it feel, felt like a, a music video that Janet Jackson would have made in the 90s. Yeah, because you most of her music videos were uh, dynamic and fun, and this one was not. It was a bunch of random like shot. It, it felt it was, like a, a music video that like Backstreet Boys would do, where she's like singing to the camera and moving, and then they cut to another angle of her singing. Yeah, and, and then there's just like a bunch of... Angles of her face singing, and it's just not very... a bunch of mirrors. I think were in the background. Yeah, was that right? Mirror stuff, I guess. I... Uh, I think the song was about how nothing can break us up. Was that yeah, what it was about? And I think they it summarizes the movie a little bit. I guess. Yeah, I they had know. scenes from the movie playing while she was singing. Um, not very interesting. Not very interesting. They not also, one of her better songs. I also want to comment that the phrase "fix this" is kind of the subtextual recurring line in this movie. Yeah. It's brought to its fruition when Janet Jackson grabs her friends and says, fix it, fix it. Yeah. But it's mentioned a couple of times that, you know, you just need to fix this. Whereas they don't really fix it. They just kind of put off on what's bothering them. They just kind of push it to the side and hope for the best. Yeah. Which I guess works for a lot of marriages. Um, uh, That's it for this particular movie. Um, I I can honestly say (laughs) that I, I was impressed with all the actors and actresses acting. But that was about it. That was about it. It had some really strong scenes, but I cannot very say Very still shots, very boring Yeah, the set. movie... Boring lighting, boring sets. Yeah, I honestly don't know if it would have been better if it was a comedy like we thought it would be. Uh, because the best things in this were the extreme drama moments. Yeah. But having said that, I, I really didn't overall love it. Uh, it, it certainly isn't, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but we mentioned once or twice that Terry's character, Tyler Perry's character, and Diane probably have the least character development and story, like it's sprinkled in so lightly, and oh, I'm wondering yeah. if that's because Tyler Perry was apparently directing this, 
he didn't want to have too much he had to play on camera, especially since it was the first time he did a sequel that, to a play. Or maybe they had more development in the first movie. We don't know. Yeah. We really don't know, other than the fact that they have a, clearly a child that's a Terminator and need to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> he's written, this movie was written, produced, and directed by Tyler Perry. So yeah. he had a lot on his, and he's one of the lead actors. So he had yeah. a lot on his plate. That might be why him and Diane's story is probably the weakest of all of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't say I'm, I'm upset it exists. It's not a terrible movie. No. It's not so bad it's good, but it's not amazing. It's I, not I'm never going to rewatch it. No, it's it's kind of boring. I would say, but honestly, I this I'm is I'm sure up there there's with, an audience for it, but it's not us. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, this movie is probably around Reno 911 levels, where yeah. there's some good stuff in it. Yeah. But I'm probably never going to rewatch it. It's not worth the good stuff. <laughs> I, I'm never, I'm never going to rewatch this film. Uh, Four point seven probably fits it, and it's sad because the strong stuff in this is really strong. Yeah. It's just that it's not strong enough it. to fix this film. Yeah. It uh, they didn't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Well, on that good pun or callback or whatever you want to call it, I think we should wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, the next one we're doing, I'm not sure when we'll get around to it. Hopefully not too long. Will yeah. be the other guys. Which uh, I'm actually excited about. I've heard was pretty funny. Yeah, we both want to see it. And it's not an uncredited appearance. It's a... It's well, a, no, no. Of I've... Dwayne Johnson. So I'm guessing he's in most of it. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And then after that, he gets an uncredited appearance in a movie called You Again, which I'm actually minorly interested to see. It, it looks not... like a... Well, it, it looks like a female-led movie. Because the entire cast looks to be nothing but... On the cover, anyway, are all women. Uh, including Jamie Lee Curtis and Bet Betty White. Of all people. And Sigourney Weaver is in this. I have a bad feeling about this movie. Well, we'll, we'll see it. Um, it's got a 5.8 out of 10, so it's not gonna, on IMDb, but maybe, maybe we'll see. Um, and then after that, strong book club movie feelings. <laughs> but after that, after you again, we suddenly jump back into action-adventure movies with Faster, then Fast Five, where we're going to spend uh, probably three hours talking about the Fast and the Furious franchise. Mm. And then Journey to the Mysterious Island, and then Snitch, and G.I. Joe Retaliation. So we're about to re-enter the, uh, the action era. Yeah. The, the resurgence of action movies. Because for a while it's been mostly cameos. Can well, it's been comedy and drama comedy, films for a drama, while. drama, and cameos. Yeah. All right, that's it for this week's or this episode of Rock Starring. I hope you all have a good night and uh, stay safe out there. And this should go up Halloween, so mm -hmm. have a good Halloween. Stay inside if you can. Mm -hmm. uh, and it should come out just before the election. So if anybody happens to listen to this before November 3rd, make sure you vote. Yeah. All right? If you can. If you can. And this, in the meantime, this is Eric. This is Megan. And stay safe out there. Bye. <laughs>